0: Welcome back to the Gold Factor Podcast, your guide and gateway to a life of purpose and fulfillment. I'm your host, Bernadette Gold, transformation and high-performance coach, here to lead you through another chapter of my audiobook, The Crooked Path to a Charmed Life, A Clairvoyant Medium's Journey to Embracing Her Spiritual Gifts. Now remember, each episode of season one is a new chapter in the book as we traverse the realms of the scene and the unseen. So let's dive in and continue our adventure together. It's time to think bigger, feel deeply, and act boldly. Chapter 18, The Middle of Nowhere Late August, just before Labor Day weekend 2000, we were packed and ready to go. Driving away from our lives in San Diego felt exciting, but scary. I had no idea how I would earn an income, but I was optimistic with a strong sense of faith. I wanted to show Brindy Sedona's red rocks, so we detoured off the main freeway and drove the moving truck, car and tow, to Oak Creek Canyon. Brindy loved the red rocks she could see in the distance. We could only afford to take two of the eight horses with us, so I chose which two we would bring. I rehomed Brindy's horse, 23 year old Lad, to another trainer, knowing he would live his life out in the pasture. Because of his age, I was unwilling to put him through the altitude change from zero to 6,000 feet. The Colorado snow would be a huge adjustment for him. Lad was going blind, developing arthritis, and while he seemed healthy, It didn't seem reasonable to expect him to survive such a drastic climate change. Dawson and Bo were the two I kept. Bo was a perfect lesson horse for advanced riders, and Dawson was the first horse I acquired after years of not having any. While Dawson had terrible hips and was primarily lame, I didn't want to chance him going to a slaughter. The other six horses were sold to rehome quickly. It gave us the money to pay for the moving truck and horse transport. Bo and Dawson were at a farm awaiting transport, scheduled to meet us at our new home within a few days of our arrival. My head was still swimming. Everything had come unwound so quickly. I prayed that spirit would ease our minds and hearts making this transition less painful. Brindy was great during the drive, catching me up on all she had done while visiting her grandpa and cousins. She seemed almost excited to move somewhere new, even though our whole lives were changing. After a couple of years on prescriptions for ADHD, I had searched for alternatives to get Brindy on something more natural. Unfortunately, Once a child was diagnosed and medicated in California schools, you had to continue the regimen. Before signing the lease for our new home, I called the school, Brindy would be attending, and found out they didn't require that medication. After reading several stories of parents losing custody of their children to CPS for medical negligence, it was a total relief. Weaning Brindy off her meds allowed her personality to brighten and reemerge. She hated taking them. So that might have something to do with her not being resistant to the move. She didn't seem bothered too much about leaving her friends in school, maybe because she had been on summer break. Timing and the ease at which everything fell into place hadn't escaped my notice. Although I hadn't had time to process the breakup with Mike, Synchronicities were happening daily. It was as if I was in an ongoing conversation with Spirit and the angels—not a normal conversation like humans have, but certainly one that guided me and confirmed things I was hearing. Guidance was always available whenever I took the time to ask questions and wait for answers. I had plenty of time to talk to Spirit on that 15-hour drive to Colorado. While Brindy napped, I let my tears flow as I spoke to Spirit about the heartache, my fears, and confusion over the events that had just transpired. As I began to process everything, Shasta was right beside me, head in my lap, occasionally licking my hand as if to comfort me. Long-distance driving always seemed to put me in a meditative state. I began looking back at the amount of hurt, healing, and blessings over the previous five years. The number five was becoming very significant for me. Five in numerology is the number of transformations and sudden change. It's even shaped like a rocking chair, threatening to roll forward at any moment. I didn't know if I should embrace the number five and all of its energy or be afraid of it. Spirit reminded me of the five-year warning about a move to Colorado. As the conversation with Spirit continued, I began seeing fives everywhere. Looking at the clock just as it turned 5.55 became a daily occurrence. Change at the grocery store gas station of 55 cents or a bill for 555 caught my attention. I should have known something huge was going to happen had I been paying attention. By the time we arrived in Colorado, the sun was setting. I was worried we'd get lost. I wanted desperately to get to our new home and out of the moving truck. Still thinking like a city girl, I figured we would unload the car and run out for dinner after we got there. As we turned down the dirt road leading to our new house, a deer and her baby walked right in front of the truck to greet us. I felt calm and peaceful energy surround me as they looked right at us before continuing on their way. Within five minutes, we parked in front of our new two-bedroom, two-bath mobile home. It was cute with lots of windows. We were pleasantly surprised at how fresh it looked as we checked out the inside. Brindy's hunger grew. I went back outside to unhook the car from the tow dolly in the dark. We grabbed Shasta and headed out, thinking we would find food close by. I had no idea where we were or even the direction of town. So I turned right. Within a few minutes, we came upon a Mexican restaurant that had just closed. I explained we had been driving since early morning, and my daughter was starving. They offered her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but she refused it. I felt so bad that everything had closed for the night. I was used to restaurants being open late. The ladies at the restaurant explained everything closed by 8 or 9 p.m., even in the summer. Brandy was crying, Let's go home to California, Mommy. I hate it here. How do you explain to a 9-year-old that it wasn't possible to go back? I handed her an open bag of Doritos and a bottle of water we had from the trip. That night, we slept on the floor with beach towels for blankets, tired and hungry. I cried as I drifted off to sleep, praying tomorrow would be better. Bright and early, the sun streaming in the windows woke us up. The first order of business was to unload some of our clothes so we could shower and find food. Driving into the little town of Ignacio, about 15 minutes from home, we found a restaurant that was bustling with customers. Brindy ordered a full breakfast and a side order of pancakes with hot chocolate. I was determined to make up for missing dinner last night. In the light of day, things seemed a little less overwhelming. I asked our waitress for directions to the best grocery store and received directions to Walmart about 30 minutes away. Brindy and I jumped in the car and headed to Durango for food, water, and supplies. It was a beautiful drive with rolling pastures and farms. Durango was a charming little western town in the middle of the mountains. The beauty of our new environment was enough to give me hope. The Spirit had a plan for us, and we would be all right. As I was unpacking the moving truck... A neighbor girl greeted Brindy. The girls were about the same age and hit it off instantly. Grateful for the distraction, I let her play as I worked. Unloading the truck alone was difficult. I called my realtor, k to see if he knew of anyone who could help me. After a couple of phone calls, I had a couple of guys agree to move the big furniture into the house for $20 each. We got the truck unloaded and I was able to return it the day after we arrived. It seemed like everything I needed and asked for was easily manifested. Moving to a new state with no friends or family was a scary proposition, but spirit assured me I would not be alone for long. Brindy and I explored Durango's downtown, looking in stores and seeing what was around. It was a tiny town, but we felt safe and welcomed. Here I was, with no clue what to do for work, I sat down to meditate and channel. I prearranged to have the phone line and the internet turned on before we arrived. I'd already seen the local paper, which wasn't much help, aside from service jobs. Things were looking bleak. Spirited promised I would still be giving writing lessons, but it wouldn't support us financially. Marketing positions were slim. The only one I found paid $10 an hour with a 45 minute commute daily. I began to panic, thinking I had made a grave error in judgment moving here. My ego fears were loud and making it nearly impossible to sit still. Meditation wasn't happening. So I checked my email, and surfed Yahoo. I noticed an ad for free psychic readings and heard loudly. Click on it. Oh, you want me to get a reading so I can find out where to find a job spirit? Immediately I heard, no, you are going to give readings. Time to use your gifts to help others. I panicked. I immediately began arguing with my guides. Instead of looking into becoming a reader, I signed up to receive a free five-minute reading. I asked the reader about employment opportunities. What followed surprised me. Matter of factly, she said, you are a gifted psychic medium. You will be doing readings, using your gifts to help others. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I almost fell off my chair with laughter. Laughter from the subtle realm erupted simultaneously from what seemed like an entire committee, as she explained how easy it was to sign up on the site to become an advisor. Within an hour, I set up my profile and was ready to hit the button, allowing people to call me. Spirit poured an overwhelming blanket of peace over me. For a moment, all fear drained from my body as I heard a whisper. Just try it. You have nothing to lose. With no other options for making money, I hit the button to make myself available for callers. Minutes later, the phone rang and I delivered my first professional reading. The caller was genuinely grateful for the messages delivered. It felt good to be able to help someone with my connection to spirit. To my surprise, that day, I earned $45. I had no idea how to price myself, so I started at the minimum $0.79 per minute, of which I made about $0.35 per minute. Being a new psychic on a brand-new site, I needed feedback and a rating from callers to get traction. By the end of that first day, I had good feedback and a five-star rating. The next day, Spirit told me to raise my price to... 89 cents per minute, finishing the day with $90. I had no idea you could make money doing psychic readings, let alone on the phone. After that, things felt a little less hopeless, knowing at the very least I could make enough money to pay our $450 month rent, our utilities, and food until I found a real job. Within two weeks, Spirited guided me to incrementally raise my rates until I reached $1.99 a minute. The lower rate meant I had calls stacked up back to back with little time for anything. The number of calls I was taking was taxing to my energy, emotions, and body. I noticed the type of client was changing as I raised my rates. The higher the rate, the more the callers seemed to honor the guidance I was giving. When my rate was low, people pushed me for information quickly. I began nicknaming the types of callers. Rapid-fire querent, nosy Nellies, and the ones who started emailing me for free readings became leg humpers. Every day, I received a few emails with people giving me sob stories wanting a free reading. At first, I agreed to do it. Being an empath, I could feel their desperation. I was regularly gifting free minutes until Spirit put a stop to it. Spirit explained that people who expected me to work for free had no understanding of energy exchange. I received a download of information about protecting my energy, exchanging it, and knowing when to say no. Boundaries were a constant weakness throughout my life. Feeling other people's emotions as my own has been the most challenging part of being an empath. I didn't just empathize with people. I absorbed their emotions and pain. If someone was hurting, I felt it amplified within my body. The only way I knew how to make it go away was to help the other person shift their own feelings thoughts. It was so bad I would give someone my last dollar and go without just to relieve myself of their pain. Working as a professional psychic, I was learning that I needed to gain control of my empathic gifts. Empaths are highly sensitive people that experience a wide variety of challenges in life. Living in the city, I knew I was sensitive. It was hard to drive in traffic, shop during holidays, or attend concerts. However, I didn't realize how much other people's energy affected me until we moved to the country. Living on the boat, I learned how much my energy changed versus being in the middle of the city. When I moved onto the boat, my energy was calmer and more centered. I slept more soundly and peacefully than at any time in life. There weren't a lot of people living on their boats, so at night it was peaceful. As I began to research more, I began to understand what being an empath was all about. In an article adapted from the Empath Survival Guide by Judith Orloff, M.D., she writes, As a psychiatrist and an empath, I often get asked, What is the difference between empaths and highly sensitive people? Following are the similarities and areas of overlap. Empaths share all the traits of what Dr. Elaine Aaron has called highly sensitive people, or HSPs. These include a low threshold for stimulation, the need for alone time, sensitivity to light, sound, and smell, and an aversion to large groups. It also takes highly sensitive people longer to wind down after a busy day, since their ability to transition from high stimulation to being quiet is slower. Highly sensitive people are typically introverts, while empaths can be introverts or extroverts, although most are introverts. Empaths share a highly sensitive person's love of nature and quiet environments, their desire to help others, and... Their rich inner life. However, empaths take the experience of the highly sensitive person much further. We can sense subtle energy called Shakti or Prana in Eastern healing traditions and actually absorb it from other people and different environments into our own bodies. Highly sensitive people don't typically do that. This capacity, allows us to experience the energy around us, including emotions and physical sensations, in extremely deep ways. And so, we energetically internalize the feelings and pain of others and often have trouble distinguishing someone else's discomfort from our own. Also, some empaths have profound spiritual and intuitive experiences with animals, nature, or their inner guides, which aren't usually associated with highly sensitive people. Being a highly sensitive person and an empath are not mutually exclusive. One can be both, and many highly sensitive people are also empaths. If you think about this distinction in terms of an empathic spectrum, empaths are on the far end Highly sensitive people are a little further in. People with strong empathy who are not HSPs or empaths are in the middle, and narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths who have empath-deficient disorders are at the far opposite end. The gift of sensitivity and empathy are precious. We want to keep opening our hearts and break through to new heights, in the empathic spectrum, we need these gifts now more than ever. Being empathic has always felt like a curse, but I understood that it was a blessing. There are so many insensitive people in the world. It seems the gift of empathy is waning with the rise of technology. Tuning into the emotions and energies of others is helpful as long as I don't take on those energies as my own. I tried to process everyone else's stuff in my body, mind, and emotions for many years. It's no wonder I felt so depressed and heavy growing up. There weren't any books about it, and no one talked about it. Thanks to the internet today, empaths and sensitives have an infinite source of information on the topic. Continuing my search for a real job resulted in more frustration than opportunity. The most I could find was waitressing jobs. Resistance from my limited understanding and old beliefs convinced me that psychic advisor position wasn't an actual career path. I began having dreams of being in a classroom. Each morning, I would wake up and write the dreams down in my journal. I diligently looked up the symbols and began learning from the information. My guides were schooling me at night. Every dream ended the same, with the teacher telling me I had a lot to learn before I could graduate. Piecing together the dreams I understood that intuitive work was my calling and sole purpose. I began having flashes of the vision I received when Brindy was a baby, recalling it as if I had just seen it yesterday. Finding the journals of notes from 1992 helped me understand that I was helping others by shining light and wisdom into their lives. I gave up on finding a job and accepted my new career while working from home. Word spread quickly the more grateful I became, the more my business grew. Each day, I had a waiting list of clients eager to speak to me, allowing money to flow abundantly. Studying, meditating, writing, and taking calls daily were having a massive effect on every area of my life. Brindy was making friends at school. The horses were in the backyard. And I had picked up a few writing students. The loss and devastation I had encountered in San Diego were becoming a faded memory. The massive leap of faith I took to follow Spirit's guidance had paid off. Living in the country, nature in the backyard with fewer distractions, was helping me grow rapidly. I began teaching a psychic development class in a Yahoo chat room weekly. I was making all kinds of friends online, even though I didn't have many friends locally. During my studies, I got instructions about staggering my sleep. Spirit told me to stagger my sleep and waking time purposely. Adjusting your sleep cycle helps bring awareness to creativity. It allows you to walk between worlds, accessing far greater creativity and intuition your body can adapt to the sleep-wake cycles better, too. It's important to understand that it isn't about productivity. It's about rhythm and playfulness. It's about freedom. Free play at night, when no one is awake, allows you to do whatever you want without the same time constraints or rules. It creates a space of free choice in that state you can create whatever you want. The unconscious mind holds more power to affect your reality than your conscious mind, just as your dreams contain more information and hidden wisdom than does your limited force thinking. If you want to expand and grow, you must destroy the divisions in your own life, self, and practice. You divide yourself even in how you explain the life you lead. Work, home, relationships, spirituality, hobbies, have all been neatly categorized, creating division within you. You have a public and private life, a family and social life. The list goes on and on. Changing your habits with sleep begins to shift your entire life. Spending that time in meditation, creating art, writing, yoga, dance, or study rather than sleeping feeds you on high levels. It creates conditions for optimal integration of your soul and physical body. The human brain has biological pathways that allow one to achieve the state that helps conscious participation and interpretation of the unconscious and dream activity. The more you merge the conscious and the unconscious, the more activated the biological pathways become. There is crucial therapeutic information given in dreams that are meant to be recalled. This information becomes accessible when you minimize the division between wake and sleep. Unfortunately, the division between waking and sleeping states during eight hours of sleep creates a more significant gap in the conscious and unconscious mind. When you stagger your sleep by only sleeping four to five hours at a time, or two hours awake, two hours asleep, you set up optimal conditions for the free flow of communication between the conscious and unconscious mind. Within this flow, old programs or beliefs and build up emotions can be addressed more quickly. As a result, your mind is more open, creativity heightened, and intuitive information is allowed to flow. After five hours of sleep, the body wants to move. The muscles crave movement. When you sleep longer, you slow down the body processes and dull the senses. Longer sleep sessions disconnect you from memory recall and dream recall. When you sleep too long, you create inertia in the physical body that takes longer to shake, making a more significant division between conscious, unconscious, and wake sleep states. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Gold Factor Podcast. Want some free resources? Well, join my Facebook community, a group of heart-centered, ambitious individuals just like you. Just go and visit the link in the description, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups, The Gold Factor. And remember, if you're enjoying the book so far, follow the podcast leave a review. I'd really appreciate it as we're launching and growing the podcast and share it on social media. All right. I'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Be blessed and be a blessing.